So I should think it should be like um, Welcome to the Black Magic Podcast Where we talk about Magic and Your mama And your mama <laughs> in the black community <laughs> oh, Mr. Jeff, You don't have to talk about your mama girl <laughs> <laughs> Why are you guys looking at me like <laughs> No I, like it should be like fun Like something weird and mystical Throw in a little bit of Spanish Some bruja in there mm-hmm. I feel like I should have black lights. There should be runes on the wall. Flashing. Part of it is like normalizing. You know, alternative religion and the occult. I should have on like a whole different outfit. Okay. Five, four, three, two. Welcome to the Black Magic Podcast. I am here with Martel, Casey, and myself, Zarin. And here on the Black Magic Podcast, we talk about magic in relationships to the Black community and in relationships to our sexuality as well. What's up, witches and bitches? (laughs) No, I'm just playing. He ain't playing. He's not. A little bit more class. Hello, everyone. I hope you're all having a great day. Awesome. And today, we're going to talk about white versus black magics. Casey, you want to take it away? Yes. Um, I'm super excited about this topic um, because it touches on so many elements of just me and my mundane life as a social worker um, and just... I'm super excited about this topic because I think it's a very charged topic. I think it's a topic that people steer clear from. It's actually a topic that has come up in a couple of groups that I'm in on Facebook this week alone. And it's still, I'm just super excited about this topic. And I think it's also poignant that we're doing this during Black History Month. And I had actually said something on Facebook that during Black History Month, we always talk about, you know, black leaders and black inventors and so on and so forth, but we never speak about black spirituality um, in any regards, really, outside of the church. And black spirituality is so linchpin to our perception in this country, but also how we have survived everything from forced migration to enslavement to racism, Jim Crow, everything like that. So um, I, I'm super excited, super, super excited for this topic. And so um, we're just going to dive right in. Our first question, quote unquote, is 
black versus white and and why this is not something that we really want to be continuing to perpetuate um because of what society thinks about it and how this is perceived um and so society really looks at white being morally right being good being superior white is um coincides with dignity culture education class money prosperity and then you look at black and black is always evil it's negative it's lower it's inferior it's violent it's stupid it's barbaric and so the question is why do we use these same tropes to classify magic in the occult i really like this question and i'm excited about the topic as well i i think i have um some insight on you know from a couple of on, on a couple of different situations and things that i've encountered um on this topic so who wants to take a stab at it first <laughs> i'll take a stab at it um so in relationship to actual black history month one of the biggest things that's been reflecting on me this time around is the fact that black people have always been shown throughout history throughout schooling as having to kind of peacefully deal with the greater world at large, whereas the greater world at large is constantly at war with itself. So the whole time through Black history, we learn about, you know, like peaceful protests and things like that. Meanwhile, you know, we're getting sprayed down in the street and we're, you know, smiling, sitting on, sitting on picket lines for it, you know, whereas throughout history, it's been just like a lot of aggression towards literally everybody else. But throughout school, they're just constantly telling us, you know, just keep quiet, sit down, be, you know, peaceful protest. And then when we do peacefully protest, Kaepernick, you know, <laughs> then they want to throw hands about it. And it's just like, that's one of the things that's really kind of rubbed me the wrong way this time around. Where I'm just like, why don't we talk about, you know, like the people who have actually fought for the freedoms, like the Malcolm X's and things like that. And then that's whenever spirituality comes into play, because especially on the African side or the, the black side, it's not all about, you know, being a white witch or like being a peaceful witch. And there it is right there, you know, where the white is all about, you know, like the peaceful, the good side. And then like when people refer to it as black magic, it's always like evil or like hoodoo or like devil worship. And I'm just like, that's that's drawing a color comparison to something that was to a mindset that was created in the early 1800s. And it's not really about what the magic is actually about, because there's a lot of like like giving magic that has to do with the color black. And there's also a lot of like evil magic that has to do with the color white. Like it's, it's not about color, but people draw that line just instinctively. And that's just kind of how it feels for me. I think those types of questions and associations come from people who don't have that much experience with alternative spirituality. And here's why I encountered, you know, I had someone ask me, and this was years ago, it had to have been like 2008, when they found out that I, you know, my practice was similar to Wicca. They asked, you know, well, do you practice white or dark magic or whatever? And um, at, at that time, honestly, I didn't know how to answer the question. 
I just, I didn't feel like I was sure enough in myself to be able to one, draw a connection between what we're talking about today in the, the topic of, of white versus black and, and two, just my own general concept of what my spiritual path was or what it was for me, uh, shaping to be at that time. But what I would say is that I think that any learned occultist, any learned spiritualist, anybody who practice alternative spirituality will tell you that, you know, the, the energy that you use to work with, whether it's to pray with or whether it's to do workings with is neither inherently good or bad. And also that they, they don't, identify, you know, on a white, black color spectrum, what's good and what's bad to Zaren's point. Um, I, I, I have come across things where it's just like, it, it's obviously things targeted at black spiritual traditions that, that you see just certain things like old movies and stuff where people are poking voodoo dolls and doing kind of crazy shit like that. I, I have come across that, but I, I really have an experience within um, the alternative spirituality community at large, that sort of white black distinction or any sort of negative, you know, attack shaped toward or you know aimed at black people or black spiritual traditions yeah because to that point it's from what i see it's happened so much and it's so ingrained in culture where people don't even really think about it anymore like it's just kind of a word that rolls off the tongue and it's like if you stop and you think about this it's that's not really what it's about it's like it's kind of like the way that we refer to instead of like a facial napkin referred to it as a Kleenex, you know, like it's just one of those things that's just been engraved in our culture in such a deep way that people don't even realize that they're doing it. I think that that's, that that is true. And an example of that would be somebody saying something like, uh, I see it on social media all the time, you know, people going from completely bald to now I got a full head of hair and in the comments it's oh shit what type of witchcraft is that <laughs> you know or people will, will just drop that comment and so I don't think that it I mean all the, I with as it pertains to the topic I do think that you know there is sort of a stigma that that exists however I think alternative spirituality overall to people who aren't who don't have a point of reference or, you know, aren't really spiritually open would see as bad altogether versus it being a black versus white thing within our community. I think that for me, and this kind of leads into my next question is the thing is what we're really talking about is implicit bias. And so you can be implicitly biased about something or against something or some group without necessarily being malevolent. However, the outcome is still a negative one. And so as witches and as people who are practicing these alternative spiritualities and occult beliefs, one of the things is 
we always say, you know, you think about the witch's pyramid and one of them is to know, and that part of to know is to know yourself. And so when you are conscious about something, implicit bias is supposed to go away because you're supposed to recognize these things and make, be making conscious effort to change these things. So when you have a, a, a tradition or not tradition, a community that, um, is still adhering to these stereotypical tropes how conscious are you in your practice because on the one hand i get we're not saying that it's a black versus white as in race but when you continue to enforce the thought that black is bad dark is bad um these things only continue the race relations of the world. And it goes so far beyond, you know, just the occult. Like there was a study done a few years ago when Disney made some major changes where when you looked at Disney movies, the good characters, quote unquote, were lighter than the quote unquote evil characters, even though they may have been in the same race. Um, they actually did an analysis of Aladdin and Jafar was several shades darker than Aladdin, Jasmine, the king, and everyone else, as if, again, we're reinforcing this trope that bad things must be dark, good things must be light. <clears throat> and that goes same thing within, with it, as kind of Zarin was saying, and, and, and Marla, you had kind of alluded to, is when we think of quote-unquote bad magic or things like that is always are you do you are you a black bitch are you a dark bitch you know it trying to indicate trying to separate that line of good and evil when in all honesty like you said the source that these things come from have no color and so we have to recognize in my opinion we have to recognize that we are putting human concepts and human um human categorizations on divinity and that can't be done and it doesn't fit and when we do that what we are doing is reinforcing the human concept of racism because ultimately we decided that we need to be classified by our skin tone and that somehow these things make insurmountable differences but if we pare this thing down to just look at humans as a species when you look at dogs and cats dogs and cats cannot breed together you cannot have a dog mate with a cat and get an animal however i can have different breeds of dogs mate together and still get a dog we decided that that's classified as a mutt or a mixed breed but in nature that is what it is so in the same reference a black and white man a black man and a white woman can have a child a Japanese woman and a black man can have a child. You know, so we are all the same, but we have classified ourselves and then we othered everything. And unfortunately, because of the imperialistic nature of Western Europe, white got classified as right, the thing to be. Everything else got othered. And so when we adhere to these tropes of white magic being good magic prosperity magic glinda the good witch was always dressed in white and pink but i always get her name right now wrong i'm about to say alpha alpha but that ain't it alpha. <laughs> the wicked witch alpha. <laughs> the wicked witch was alpha. always dressed in black and she had green skin 
So we're reinforcing this good and evil situation, which I think, and we're going to get into it later, is even when you look at the nuances of what is considered white and bad magic and what is considered black and bad magic. I'm ready to get into the nuances. When you really get into it, you'll realize that it's not that simple. Correct. And I'm I'm looking forward to getting into the nuances. I don't want to get too ahead of... (laughs) the um the conversation here i just i'm not i'm not saying that i don't feel like these things exist because i feel like you know because you know of the inherent nature of racism and how ingrained certain things are you'll see manifestations of of it in all aspects of life from spirituality to just general other a number of other things in everyday life and in everyday culture i just feel like people are waking the hell up number one and using different words to describe certain things that we experience in our spirituality that don't you know reinforce these earlier you know white is good, black is evil types of concepts. I feel tremendously empowered when I work with anything that I feel like, let's just call it the dark side of the moon or whatever. I don't see that as workings or anything like that that's that's evil. I think that, you know, it's, if you if you were at the gym, you have a push day and you have you have a pull day, right? So what am I drawing and what am I sending? You know, I think that as a learned practitioner, okay, so I have a different perspective, but I think that these things go hand in hand and the general vibe that I get from the spiritual community supports how I feel about you know, concepts when it comes down to white versus white magic or black or, you know, you know, white things. It's, it's like you said, it's <laughs> so much deeper than that. And it's, it's almost trying to, I guess, break the concept down to an exceptionally elementary level to even think of it in those terms today, maybe 50 or a hundred years ago, perhaps, but I don't know. Again, I don't want to get too ahead of the of the topic, but that's where I am on the first answer. <laughs> yeah, because like in relation to that, it's all about the intention of the person. Like they could right. easily take light magic and use it negatively, just the same exact way that you can take poodoo and voodoo and use it positively. Like right, exactly, exactly, exactly. You can take, you know, a tennis racket that was designed to have, you know, a leisure game on Sunday and knock somebody clear upside the head with it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it does go back to what your what the individual's intentions are. And that fiberglass hurts. I've never been hit with a racket, but I always bring it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 I did. I did. I did. <laughs> So, yeah, since we've already kind of segued into it, the nuances of 
magic, period. But when you try to use the rudimentary self surface level definition of white and black, does it really apply? Because, for instance, and, and I always say this, um, and I've had a friend who had this experience, you know, in practicing quote unquote white magic, and, and that's what she defined it as. She's white when she practices white magic, and she had a um, friend who was sick and she wanted to help this person so she did a ritual for healing for this person and the outcome of that ritual was this person died her intent was not for him to die her intent <clears throat> was for him to be relieved of pain and just like any other force in the universe magic is going to take the path of least resistance and the easiest way to heal someone from a stage four cancer is to go ahead and let them go so is that still considered good? Because if this person was in treatment, they didn't want to die. They were doing what they were supposed to do or doing what they could do to try to extend their life. Is that considered white magic? And then the reverse side, when you're doing quote unquote bangful magic, you're binding somebody, you're expelling somebody or something like that. Is that black? Is that bad? Is that negative? If this person is a domestic violence person, if this person is a child abuser or rapist, things like that. So <clears throat> when you really look at it again, like you said, it's about the intent. You're given a tool, you're given a source, and you can do with it what you will, You, but you can't define that source by what you want to do with it. Correct. That's what I was going to say. And you, um, you said it with that, with that last thing. So I don't, I don't define any of my workings as white workings or black workings. I think that that is such an, uh, again, just to circle back is a, is just a very antiquated under examined way to approach spirituality um for example instead of that I, I can't even categorize things that way the first thing i do is just if if i feel compelled to do a working i'm going to listen to what my heart is telling me is the direction to go for that working is it is it an area of my life that needs healing is it an area of my life where something needs to be let go so that i can in return, you know, move, be able to move forward and so that it's no longer draining energy out of my life, out of my day, consuming my mind, you know, am I trying to draw in something towards me? Am I trying to discover additional things that I might be interested in? Do I need to sit down and, you know, just reflect on how I might have treated a person in a given day none of these none of these sort of reasons if you will or things that come up in life that's compelling me to want to do a working would i categorize as white or black if we just did something did like a basic candle working for example i could use white or black candles in in all of those situations if I needed to let go of something, you know, 
a lot of my work is I do it with, you know, the, like you said, the path of least resistance, where am I going to get the most power from? So a lot of the things that I do, if I can time it with the moon, I will, you know, if it's, and that's, I'll just put it out there. Cause that's one of the more common ways to you know, do sort of like workings or spells or prayers or, or candle magic. So if it is a, if it's something that I feel like I, I need to let go of, I may use a white candle to bring my brain mental clarity to myself. Or as that's a, a meditation color for me. Or if it's something that I feel like I want to draw away or banish or clear out of my mind, if it's something specific, then I will use that good old powerful black candle. But I don't think that that is a, you know, again, like I said, it's, for me, it's, it's, it's interchangeable. It just all depends on how I want to angle the working is, but you're the, if the question is being asked of me again, someone who eats, breathes, sleeps this type of spiritual life, then, you know, of course the answer is going to be different from someone who just have has generalized sort of opinions about the practice overall. And I think that and ultimately, because what what you're really touching on is really the the root of the issue is there is a difference between categorization and correspondence, and so often new and some old practitioners confuse the two because and, and i was actually having this conversation the other day in a group and uh someone like i said someone had posted i didn't post it someone had posted why we should not use black and white categorizations for types of magic and so a young man came in there and was like oh i yeah i use those because you're not gonna i'm not gonna so you're telling me all magic is heart magic and i said yes at the end of the day it is your intent behind it right it's not you know what what you cannot categorize something by what you intend to do with it it's simply your intent of what you do with the source and so he came up with this model he was like well black magic is considered black magic because if i'm doing a binding spell binding spells um fall under the planet saturn and the planet saturn's color is black and blah 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 and gave me this list of correspondence and i said sweetie that's correspondence that's color magic and we use that because a large part of what we do is sympathetic magic meaning if a thing is related to a thing that thing has power with that thing and so when we create more of the small thing, the microcosm to affect the macrocosm, we're using correspondences to to increase that connection. That is not a categorization of magic. That is a correspondence table. And and thank you for giving me that list. But sweetie, if you really wanted to go there, I can give you the correspondences for Senator, and I can really take you there. But it won't. You don't have. You can't afford the ticket. But. I can give you the correspondences. Okay, I can draw the squares. I can break down the rings for you. <laughs> Pleading. 
if you want to go there, we can go there. But what you're talking about is not what we're talking about. You're talking about correspondence. And no one here is saying that color cannot be used as a key to increase the efficacy of magic. If we know this. It is tried and true. What we're talking about is when you try to say that all bindings are black because they are negative. That is the not okay part. And like you said, that is the antiquated system that is based not in true occultism, not in true spirituality. It is based in the othering of people. And so even today, you know, I will see, and like you said, it does come across more from new, newer practitioners and people who have a very surface level understanding of you'll see things that, oh, I'm starting to cover that we're going to be white witches and we're only going to do white magic. And it's like, okay, but what does that mean? Right. So are you saying then, you know, I, 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 is the workings that we're going to do be all, you know, healing based? Is it going to be all, you know, crystal work or whatever? So referring to you, referring people to you know, further deepen number one their knowledge of what it is that they're trying to do first of all you know and secondly broadening their perspective for how things come across when you say it in you know simplistic fred flintstone black and white mm -hmm. terms and how limiting right are you how much are you limiting your magic and your ability to manifest when you think in those simple terms? Because it's like one of the lessons that I had to do was really to think about, you know, if you wanted to do a working with this, and it could be anything, thinking about the interconnectedness of this entire world, how could this go wrong, even though I meant it to go right? And vice versa. And so when you say things like, I'm only going to participate in white magic, and I'm only going to do good magic, there are still most of the ways for the youth to get a negative outcome. And if you have not really thought about that, you are setting yourself up for a solution as a human protection. Correct, correct, correct. Right. And it's what kind you got of, to say about all this, Zan? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was yelling at my dog. He's being a piece of poop, but <laughs> but yeah, seriously though, like everything is super cat like categorized for a reason, and that's why we use categorizations over like actual actual correspondences because they reflect more in real life magic, whereas those correspondences just helps the brain kind of work towards that. So when newcomers come in and they're stuck in that like that rut of like I'm gonna be a white coven, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, I'm like first off then don't consider yourself a coven. Maybe you should categorize yourself more as a temple because you're doing healing. But you should also branch out and kind of experience more of the world before you settle down into what you're actually going to do. It's the exact same way whenever a teenager is like, yeah, look, I'm gonna be a millionaire. And then you're just like, as an adult, you're like, that's a cool goal. How are you gonna get there, buddy? You gotta go experience the world. You gotta go see exactly how it's gonna happen. You gotta, you gotta go figure everything out before you just sit down and write this down on paper because once you get in that role, it's very hard to break yourself out of that role. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think like, and it, again, this is why I was so excited about this topic because so much of it touches on what I do in my professional life because there is a um, social psychology phenomenon called heuristics and heuristics is basically saying that our brain is doing so much at one time 
that it gets to a point that with certain things, we make these quick fire decisions that are based solely upon assumptions. And so, as I was saying earlier, when you're in this type of practice, we're supposed to be conscious about these things and be breaking outside of these, you know, these quick fire decisions that our brain have already made for us to associate this with this and that is that and that's it. And it even comes across like now when you hear or when I hear people talk about shadow work and it always seems like people want to talk about shadow work when it's got something to do with negativity. You haven't, um, oh, you need to come to terms with your sexuality. Yeah, you're you're like immature about something, yeah. Yeah, you need to, and it's always you know, that's shadow work. But really, that's not what shadow work is. First of all, shadow work is not an occult-exclusive term. It comes out of psychology. And it simply means examining the why of what you do. Examining the purpose of your front stage persona. So, for instance, when I do shadow work, my shadow work is solely focused on why do I, why am I so ambitious? And it, it, it's so poignant because Martel sent me something a couple of weeks ago and it was about Capricorns and it was so me because one of the things that the reason that I succeed and the reason that I go so hard is simply to shove it in bitches' faces. That is me. That is me to a team. It's not that I have to have these degrees. It's not that I have to be this eloquent. It's not that I have to, you know, be this financially successful. It's simply because I want to give every bitch who has ever said I can't a reason to go see their therapist and can't sleep at night. When I do shadow work, I have to examine that. Why is that my source of motivation? Why is that my modus operandi? That is what shadow work is. But so often it's, you know, if someone comes in and they say, which I think is okay, if they say, you know, I don't like, doing blood magic either because they don't like blood or they don't like violence and then the first thing people say is you need to do shadow work Mm, no bitch i just don't like blood why does it always become the negative parts of us become shadow work but really what it is is shadow work is about your motivation for things because it is beneath the surface hence in the shadow not negative just hidden well i think people Think of, and I'm a little bit of a devil's advocate <laughs> on this topic today. I feel like you're going to fight me after this podcast. Oh, yeah, no, I don't feel like that. My, I'm on my way. I feel, <laughs> yeah, I was just getting ready to say yeah, I don't feel up. like that. Three hours. That's Lena Boots in my pocket. Listen, if you want to come on up here and dance, then maybe you just let Ooh. me know. <laughs> I'll bring my tins. Let's go. Um, I was going to say that I think that um, you know I think that it can have a negative connotation um, the term shadow work because part of it is I I think part of of this of the concept of shadow work is examining things that are unknown Um, to your point about just making decisions automatically based on either assumptions or you know, just how we were brought up or what our, you know, beliefs are, what, whether they're false or not, you know, or based in reality or, you know, just based on what somebody mama told us, right? Um, I think that the concept of these things being unknown or just the fact that things are unknown to us, people might want to examine why they are getting, you know, why they're having 
negative things go on in their life or why how come they can't like really seem to put their finger on what the issue is it's an unknown issue to that person that still has yet to be examined um or that shadow work still has yet to to take place but instead of putting you know saying that okay well these negative things that are happening that's that's what's negative the shadow work itself is is to reveal to me what um you know what is what is inside what patterns of behavior exist um is is definitely i think a distinction that that is needed as far as shadow work like for me so i'm in recovery guys and gals that's out there i just want to let you know um that now i haven't said it before but uh just so that you will know i am in recovery and i work a 12-step program um step four when we take a moral inventory that is a process that is used to do you know what the the whole shadow work what you could call shadow work um by revealing patterns of behavior to ourselves um and it's and i definitely don't think any of my step four stuff is negative (laughs) it makes me think like holy shit you know i gotta maybe take a look at some of these as my sponsor would say maladjustments you know or areas in my life that are making my life difficult or you know i'm getting certain feedback from life that causes me to have to take a deeper look at myself um so i i certainly wouldn't consider shadow work a negative or black or dark thing it's almost an oxymoron it's you know or a paradox i should say shadow work to me you know is a process of enlightenment because now i'm becoming more aware of what my behavioral patterns are i hope i'm not taking us like too no, 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 because that circles no, right back around to intentions. You know, like it's all about the way that you use it. Like the exact same way that people use shadow work to figure out their negative side, you can also do that exact same thing with energy work. You can use Reiki to kind of like pull those negative energies out of you. The exact same way that they use Reiki to, you know, like bring on those positive energies. You can exactly what you do with your shadow work. You can bring on the positivity of why something is happening to you, or like why you're so ambitious, or why you're this way, or why you're that way. Like it's literally all about intention. Exactly, and that's. I'm glad that you said that, Zaren, and I'm glad that you shared that, Martel, because that's ultimately the point that I'm trying to get to is that rudimentary definition, it does not suffice, and it needs to be done away with. And I think as individuals who, like you said, live, breathe, eat, shit, this stuff, we have a responsibility but i also think as people of color i think as practitioners who have a little bit of experience we have a responsibility to correct it when we see it but i think as people of color the onus of correction is not on us but the onus of call out is um and and it's not even about well if you never call it out they'll never correct it it's about simply letting you know that it's not okay 
I'm not going to correct you. I'm I'm not a spokesperson for all black people. I'm not going to teach you how to be around black people because at the end of the day, you know how to be around black people because you know how to be around people. But I do think that the onus is on us to call it out when we see it, whether it's, and and we can do it respectfully. Um, I probably can't do it as respectfully as the two of you. Respect is not my thing. I think I think diplomacy is a virtue and I think that a little bit of shade after I said that I don't really have diplomacy to say that it's a virtue, but continue. Uh, it, it is a <laughs> virtue and I think that we have to allow people the space to be human. I think that undoing certain things as it pertains to you what I would call the ripple effect of, you know, stuff that, you know, is based in racism or has just like a labeling of uh, people as other. That's a lot of undoing, you know, and people who don't have any, I think that, you know, and this is just the vast majority for me, people who I've encountered that, you know, practice any type of alternative spirituality have never really rubbed me the wrong way in terms of a, you know, I don't like you because you're black thing. But moreover, I feel that we have, as we learn and grow just as people, especially, you know, within our community as practitioners of alternative spirituality allowing giving people grace and allowing people the space to be human beings and to make mistakes and say oh you know what that does sound fucked up i'm not trying to do no no white magic or no black that that, tell me a little more about it you know i want to invite people to be able to learn together I want to learn something from you just the same way I want to share with you that, you know, perhaps you need to delve into the, to the actual concept of what it is that you want to practice more statement, you know, so it, it's, I want it to be an exchange more than I want it to be a call out. I want it to be an invitation more than I want it to be a read. I want it to be a, extending of the hand of my arm to lock hands with you and let's let's walk together and both accomplish whatever goals that we have through the means that have been denied us so long because of the subjugation that we've been held in by major religions so regardless of where who the person is where they come from I don't give a damn, <laughs> you know, unless you are blatantly saying that that is some black people hoodoo mess that is negative and dark and you're going to hell for it. You know, then, then my pro, my, the way that I have a conversation with that person is going to be number one limited. Cause ain't nobody, I don't have time to entertain a whole lot of ignorance. No way. However, you know, those, those kind of conversations will be dealt with as they arise um, but the majority of, I think, people's intentions aren't based in something that may sound, you know, at 
the, a cursory listen as something, you know, negative or targeting, um, you know, uh, black culture or people. So I just want to like hold hands with everybody and not be a, <laughs> and not get them together on social platforms. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds real nice. Um, and, and I will say that, I will say this, every situation does deserve a different approach. However, for me, again, this is for me, I look at it in the way that, yes, you catch more flies with honey, but when it is not beneficial for you to change your viewpoint, Honey ain't gonna work. And what I mean by that is, yes, we can all be members of the occult together. And so we are all members of a sect of spirituality that is the minority and does have connotation with other larger groups. And so I can get with you there on the level of oppression and othering that we feel because of our practice. But when there is also an additional level of oppression and othering within this practice, that's when I cannot give you honey to call it out. I have to give you the whip the first time because my thought point is I'm never going to undo the people who have been believing this and living this for 60, 70, 80 years. I'm not going to change their mind. But what I can do is the generation that I am a part of and the generation coming after me I can begin to dismantle this thing for those after me. And so if I am in a situation and I hear or see, you know, young people talking about white magic being good and black magic being good, I'm going to come at you with diplomacy. I am going to be respectful. Believe it or not, I can be respectful. But I'm also not going to, I'm not going to give you the kumbaya version. I'm going to give you the real and raw version of what you are perpetuating and what it means for me and how you are continuing to oppress me, even though we are supposed to be together. Because at the end of the day, it actually is to, to someone who is white, it is to their detriment to dismantle systems of oppression and othering because it levels the playing field. It disavows privilege. So it is to their detriment to do that. So I have to make you understand why it is important for it to be done. And all the, I'm not saying that everyone cannot be approached with honey because we do have um, white brothers and sisters within the craft who are doing this work and who are doing it correctly and going and asking people of color, how can I be an advocate? What do I need to do? How do I be present? How do I make space? But I'm just, y'all know me, I am not a, I am not a, a sugar and spice and everything nice person. I am, give it to you real, give it to you raw. And if you don't hear me the first time, you will hear me the second time. There will not be a third. Um, and that's just kind of my approach to it, just because, again, I also approach this from my professional life and what I do as a social worker. And so systems of oppression are ingrained in me constantly dealing with them 
and how do I dismantle them? And so that has always been my approach. I'm, I'm not worried. If somebody 80 years old comes up to me and says, you know, oh, yeah, you practice that evil black magic. Okay, Willow, go ahead about your business. But younger people, I feel like, A, there is a greater um, greater consciousness for race relations in younger generations. And so I can have that conversation, but I'm just not, I don't believe in sugarcoating anything because I never want anything sugarcoated for me unless I'm dealing with a straight up child. I rarely sugarcoat anything. And, and that probably also comes from the fact that I've worked in hospice and so I've had to sell people some stuff and I just I just don't sugarcoat it I don't I don't respond well to things being sugarcoated to me so it's hard for me to you know hey take my hand and let's go have a picnic and I'm gonna talk to you about this it's more like kick sit down and let's let, let me tell you what it is you got it Actually, I value your acute awareness of things that aren't right and that where something should be done about it. Um, the delivery component. Of the, all all major nations have military, okay, and so at, you have to be prepared in the event that diplomacy fails. And I I totally agree that you know if it's something that is just blatantly um, out of place and just and is perpetuating things that shouldn't belong you're going to get just you're going just as many ways as there are to do certain things um within the spirit within alternative spirituality so too are there that many people and there are going to be a segment of people who just who just for whatever reason you know hold these ingrained sort of like prejudiced ways of doing things. Um, so again, I, I, I try to think that your awareness of situations like this, particularly on social media, <laughs> is definitely valuable. Um, where you mess up is where you get dealt with. That's what I was told. But I feel like personally, I would probably be the better diplomat and you should be the, better mil the military person because... I am the one who is going to give it to you straight flat the first time. If I'm over the military, and that's what I do in diplomacy, when they so we go on the war, period, period, period. Oh, you said they didn't want to pay us the money they owed us? No, um, Marcel, you had your chance. <laughs> go ahead and get the missile launch codes. Thanks. So we marching on their territory. Bet. Period. Period. <laughs> administration just started <laughs> general KC said okay let's go I am here to clean up the collateral damage <laughs> that was caused as a result of but when I go to war when I go to war there is no collateral damage there's no Guantanamo Bay there's, we won it's over thanks what I mean for, for our audience I want to share this it's just so that my audience is clear on my target people are that I want to, you know, extend that olive branch to and just say, hey, you know, maybe you might want to look at things from a different perspective. 
I consider, you know, folks who got handed down teachings, let's just call it the white magic, black magic style, if that, if it ever was a thing that existed, which it just, I can't even, I'm forcing myself to say it because my magical mind just doesn't work like that. But people who were handed down that sort of way of categorizing the way that they do workings and they're reaching for something, they're reaching for something that they feel connected to. This is how the information was handed down to them. And so that they feel like they are conveying a a truth in saying that this is how I practice things is this. These are the, the list of white things that I do. And these are the list of black things or whatever. And it comes off offensive. You know, those are the people who are still my people. And it's like, all right, maybe the way that you're articulating how you want to do your working might be a little bit off. Let's take a deeper dive, baby. Are you trying to heal some somebody or yourself or a situation? Are you working with divination in dreams and things like that? Are you... What what are the let's let's get what the to the, what the real category is? You see, these are those are the folks that I feel like I could have a conversation with and it'd be fruitful, you know. So that's what I mean by collateral. <laughs> listen, I listen. I can I can raise a hammer. Okay, <laughs> the old school. You know, I guess definition of the whole Martel, the hammer, Charles Martel, and all that stuff. I have, I have, actually come up with a new definition for my name, but that's another topic for another day. I can raise the hammer when need be. You know, I just because justified anger and sort of like wrath is a danger zone for me, especially being somebody in recovery. I try to do things in a way where. You know, I'm, I'm not going to harm somebody who's well-intentioned, although I am no saint and I'm not perfect, you know, and you just might catch me on the right day and I might have to play <laughs> <play> you out. <laughs> but um, I don't, I try to do things to where, you know, again, I have been allowed the space to be a human being and to make mistakes and say some really fucked up shit, to be quite honest, and do some fucked up shit. So I have to be position myself to extend that same grace to the next well-intentioned person or who's overall, you know, a well-intentioned individual, but they just might be having a bad day or they might have just not said something right. So that's the reason why I um, approach things the way that I do. And I don't like being angry either. You know, so or feel bad about something that I had to say. Uh, KC want to send people to therapists. <laughs> I, I want nobody to that therapist. KC's going to tear them down and then build them right back up. I got to help my profession. We <laughs> <laughs> just gonna call you Mother Teresa. Um, <laughs> I want to segue into the last bit, okay. uh, which is still. In the same scheme, but kind of changing it a little bit. But I want to add to it. So what I want to get is, so let me say this. I was looking at an upcoming um, kind of witchy festival, whatever, whatever that has like a whole, whole, whole lot of 
presenters presenting on different topics. I'm not going to name it because um, I don't, one of the people who is over it is known to go on, you know, social media and things like that and try the girls. And I have always been the one that you don't want to try. I'm not the one or the two, honey. You cannot afford a ticket to the show. Um, I don't care who you are, how many witches you got under there, how many shots you got under there. This ain't never been what you wanted. It ain't never been what you tried to manifest. So I'm not going to name it. But in looking at that and speaking with other people, out of these almost 100 presenters, there was less than 10 people of color presenting. And so what that got me thinking and what I want to get you guys' reflection on is, one, what have been your experiences being a person of color in a minority spirituality that is predominantly white, but also what does it look like and how do we go about making space, not asking for platform, but making space for people of color to be presenters and to be quote unquote big name pickets and to be seen and visible. So for me personally, it's been really hard. Um, just cause usually like I'll enter a room and I'm the only brown person in there and either they're just like, you know, super, super gloves on with me. You know, like, hey, are you okay, do that? Or they're just like, exclude me altogether. So it's always been really hard. Um, but in aspect to how do we change that, I mean, we can go about that multiple ways. We can continue to try and change people's mindsets, but that's that takes time and it's really hard. Um, or we can kind of build our own thing and show people that, you know, if you're not going to include us, then we'll just do it ourselves. And, you know, piggyback into something that you said a while ago like we can also continue working on changing the mindsets of like newer pagans whether they are young or old like um like the same exact way that um whenever trump came into power and you had all these like old people really just become bigots that were never bigots before but somehow they became this way because all their friends were that way that can work in reverse as well like you can easily change someone's mindset just by surrounding them with a different mindset if that makes any sense <clears throat> that was the last his name is Trump that's the last time said name <laughs> <laughs> right don't say his name he who must so, not be named you know to your point Zaren like we'll we'll create our own thing this podcast our Instagram channel exhibit freaking A you know creating something that didn't exist before, mm -hmm. advocating for ourselves, having the experience and a desire to get out there with an open mind and an open heart, not thinking that people are going to automatically shut things down or exclude or, you know, be biased or anything like that. My home, my hometown, okay, Newport News, Virginia. So anybody out there from the 7-5, baby, <laughs> I'm one of them. All right. So my hometown store, for example, um, lady owns it. She's a she happens to be a white lady, and I, I never really felt excluded. You know, I never felt like I wasn't able to be welcomed in or you know to be a part of. I, I I've seldomly have felt excluded. I have felt under experience. I have felt, um, 
you know, maybe just unaware and just still trying to like figure things out and find my way and become secure in my own spirituality enough to where I have a level of confidence to talk about things or, or have an understanding of specific topics that are being discussed. Now that I think has, has played a part in any type of exclusion that I, that I have felt, you know, it's like sitting down to, I don't want to break football into this really, but you know, I don't have any experience there, you know, so just sitting down and trying to watch football game and getting excited about the different plays and stuff like that, when you don't have a point of reference, it is excluding in itself. So I think that by um, raising awareness, by sharing with each other, by doing the things that we're doing now, just to um, inform, you know, then you can, as, as people become more aware and as we, as I gain experience, you know, I can navigate into certain realms, you know? Um, so that's, that, that would be it for me. I, the only time I really felt excluded was again, you know, this was my own internalized sort of, you know, self exclusion because of just my, my own level of, of, of awareness or experience, but I've been welcomed, um, in places, you know, I just, uh, I approach things and I approach people as if they have the best possible intentions. But if I go in with my gun, my guard up and my guns up and my, my arrows drawn, okay ready for you to say something to me that's going to make me feel discriminated against, then I'm closing myself off to a potential experience that could be enlightening. I'm closing myself off to a friend that I could possibly make. You know, I, I haven't had the experience of wanting to go and speak, you know, speak in, in different arenas and things like that on a larger scale. So that's not something that I can personally speak to, but just in the developmental sort of phase of gaining an understanding of, of what my spirituality means to me, I haven't experienced that kind of exclusion. I've, I've, I've felt negative vibes or certain energy in certain places that I didn't quite mesh well with, you know, I've, but that's the energy of that space and, and, and those potentially those people in that space or their interaction with each other isn't isn't good there's not a good energy mix there and I'm like well what that what's that all about but I haven't felt like oh you know, weird the only I think I have imposed weirdness on myself in certain spaces at times but again those that will be referring back to my early 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 days like, what's that bag of herbs and what is it for? <laughs> and I, I have no idea what that is or what it's for, but I want it. <laughs> so, I think my experience has been mixed um, and it's been a bit of both. So, I I will first shout out two awesome shops um, here in Raleigh. Well, one in Raleigh, North Carolina, one in Charlotte, North Carolina. The Holy Rose is owned by Rose, um, and, and she is um, a white woman. But Rose is probably, I will say, probably one of the reasons that I am even still 
um, practicing the occult because Rose showed me something that I had not seen and that was genuine openness from a white practitioner because my experiences prior to that had not been good. You know, I had similar experiences to Darren in whether in either I was there and I was treated with kid, kid gloves or I was there and I was excluded or I was there and I was told, well, you know, this ain't for you. Maybe you need to go find something that, you know, works with Egyptian gods or something. Every time. It's, that was very disconcerting to me. So when I went to the Holy Roads and Roads was super welcoming and super warm and our staff is super welcoming and super warm and still to this day, I know them even though, you know, it used to be I greeted everybody with a hug and a kiss. Now COVID, we can't, but still love to see them, you know, very intentional and then, I met when I moved to Charlotte temporarily, Gina um, of um, Conjure Curio and Craft is a black woman and owner and practitioner and tarot reader. And again, super genuine, super warm, super welcoming, super willing to help and teach. And, and we just, I go there someday, place is almost three hours from the house now. And I still am very intentional in going and supporting. It was very intentional in supporting during COVID. Um, and so I've had those various experiences, but I am someone who enjoys public speaking. I am someone who enjoys those big conferences. So for me, um, and I think kind of what you were talking about earlier, Martel, was why I think it's important for us to be visible in these spaces is what you were really talking about was imposter syndrome. It was a feeling that you don't belong here because this isn't where you should be because in part you could not see yourself there because you had not seen yourself there again this is now the psychoanalyst lcsw and for those who always like to say you know people always want to act like they're mental health therapists they are i am <laughs> thank you <laughs> so i know what i'm talking about um yeah. that kind of is what i also felt in the beginning because i remember going to my first pagan pride day here in north carolina and i was super 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 excited to go and then i got there and i was like there is nobody here who looks like me should i even be here is this for me even though people were trying to make overtures to make me feel welcome because they felt that i felt that way i was still super nervous about it because there was no one there that i immediately could say i had a connection to because i didn't see myself and still again when we look at these big events you know um um the the, the pantheon and so on and so forth i never i rarely see myself reflected in the presenters i may see myself reflected in the vendors i may see myself reflected in those who are participating but i never see myself in those who have been quote unquote deemed worthy enough to speak as authority and it makes it it leads to that feeling of imposter syndrome sometimes not for me anymore yo the listeners can tell and y'all can tell from now I'm very self-confident in who I am. So I do not suffer from imposter syndrome in any way or fashion now, but at that time I did. So I think that, like Zaren was saying, creating our own, because like you said, Martel, this is where this podcast came from. And this is where things like BET came from, because we weren't reflected in what was out there. And eventually it got to the point that everybody had to recognize it so you know i i i am all for you know some kind of 
person of color because and again it's not just us as black people we don't see a lot of latino and hispanic we don't see a lot of native american indigenous mm -hmm. practitioners we don't see aboriginal practitioners who are practicing their faith i would love to see more of that and reflecting because i feel like that is going to be the thing that is going to open the floodgates of so many black and brown and indigenous people who really really feel a calling to practice something outside of mainstream abrahamic faiths but they've yet to see somebody like them so they don't want to do because it. it's hard for anybody to be the first to step out and a lot of people don't realize that they that they're not the first but if they saw this reflected it would be like okay i can do this because if they did it i can do it yeah. and then they realize there's a community a, a real community that goes beyond what we're always told of if you're black or brown you got to go to europe Ifa, voodoo, something, or you got to practice a, an egyptian um you know, an Egyptian derived faith, but even in that, you have a whole lot of white people who practice an Egyptian derived faith. So sometimes you go into those spaces and you're not welcome. Right. So, you know, that, that's what I think is yeah, creating our own, but also still being as visible as we possibly can. And again, y'all know I'm all for the call out. So I I did email that particular fest that's going to be happening soon and say, hey, y'all got a whole lot of what. How were you intentionally trying to bring in more people of color? And I think that's the thing is calling out people's intention. Are you intentionally doing it? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, we would love to have more people of color presenters. How are you going about trying to make that happen? Are you looking for them? Are you looking for the authors? Are you promoting their books and so on and so forth? And so I remember last year around the um, George Floyd protest, there were a lot of um, white content creators and um, authors with who were using their very large platform and i thought it was so wonderful and they were giving their platform for a day to people of color so like i cannot pronounce his name but the book that i love the little work um the author of the little work did it thorn mooney who i absolutely love she did it um some other people did it like they were intentional in giving space to um people of color and so i think you know continuing things like that and building our allowances and networks i think that is um, i think that is how we do that as well yeah um so i just i also wanted to just um say to speak to casey's point you know part of this and this ties into one of our overall overall initiatives for our group for this podcast, um, which is to, you know, share, put it out there into the airwaves that it's people like you doing these things and to inspire people, um, you know, to follow the spiritual path that they feel connected to. Um, so in saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's a matter of one, raising awareness that we're here with you. And secondly, you know, positioning ourselves to, so calling all trailblazers, basically. Um, you know, if, if, if you feel connected to, to want to have a larger platform or space, then follow the spiritual guidance that you're getting to position yourself for it. Because, I, again, I, I feel like 
you know, if, if, if it's something that we want and we position ourselves for it, there's nothing that's going to stop us from getting it. There's no one that's going to stop us from getting it. And I don't want to have just like a separate and apart from sort of thing, but rather, you know, just to your point, Casey, just getting out there and just, okay, yes, I am. I am somebody who looked like you and, and probably have a lot of other similarities as well, just in, in things like that. So it's doing the work to be in the spaces that we want to be in. Um, for me. So I think that's it. Well, viewers, listeners, um, we love you. <laughs> it has been a while, baby. And I hope everybody's new year is going well. Um, mine's is, and uh, looking forward to sharing more. Um, you know, as I share, I learn and grow. And so this is a blessing to me and uh, you all are a blessing to me. So thanks. Yay. Casey, Casey, <laughs> do the outro. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> sorry. Thank you guys for listening. Of course. Um, we always appreciate it. Um, again, we will have more content coming soon. Check our Instagram at black magic podcast. That's B L K M A G I C K P O D C A S T on Instagram. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, um, or just go to Anchor, and Anchor has all of the links. Um, and we will be seeing, hearing, talking to you again soon. Um, <laughs> yes, thank you for listening. Perfect.